Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try and take some science and squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the start. Last week we tangented our way through the topic of migration, and while we meandered a bit, there was definitely good information in there, you just had to wait for it to drop. (laughs) This week though, we're going to take a look at geoengineering and terraforming. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, and obviously Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are listening to this right now, if you can drop us a follow, a rating, we really appreciate that. I am Tom Jenks, and joined as usual by Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? I'm doing very well. Yeah, last week we kind of have to wade through a lot of stuff to get through to the information. The inf- as I said, the information was definitely there. <laughs> yeah, we, we just uh, we just you know took a left turn and a right to art. It wasn't a direct migration from start to end. No, but it but was a migration. Someone, yeah, taking the definition, there was a definite beginning. We moved there was a definite end from, point from A to B, going through X, Y, and Z. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it was good. This week, maybe more interesting. I managed to cross our wires by not being explicit in what we should research. Uh, that's yeah. my fault. That's... So we'll see how this week goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, geoengineering terraforming is the main theme. But uh, before we pop into that, I got some news. Have you? Uh, this is about Artemis 1, the new NASA program. Have you been keeping up with this? I haven't, no. Things of NASA are kind of just stop paying attention to because everybody else seems to be doing more important and better things. Oh, that's fair. Um, I, we talked about this before, but I don't think on this show. Basically, the Artemis program is a robotic slash human moon exploration program led by NASA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also got the European Space Agency, the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency, and the Canadian space agency in on it as well and it's basically saying right we want to get humans back to the moon for the first time in 50 years and also set up a space base a moon base on the moon obviously Um, a lunar gateway space station and the commercial human landing systems including starships along the way basically we have a permanent base camp on the moon that we can facilitate human missions to mars from there now, you know the what? first... Yeah, sorry. I was just having a look at a quick diagram of this. What I find incredibly interesting is they try, they're going to try and set up what is essentially the ISS, but in the moon. Yeah. There's going to be a, a... It's called a Distant Retrograde Orbit, the DRO. It's essentially it's going to orbit the moon. At, yeah, just constantly just orbiting it, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, it's very cool. And I'd love to do a whole episode on this at some point because the whole timeline and everything and what they're actually trying to plan to do uh, is very interesting. Um, but we'll see. Now, the first rocket, is Artemis 1, was meant to launch on Monday, so mm. four days ago when this releases. But it was hit by uh, thunderstorms. And it's quite interesting. They have massive poles next to the rocket. Yeah, they're just there see. to attract thunder. Yeah, so yeah, lightning. Sorry, yeah, don't. Yep, they did that successfully, Um, but then they had an engine failure. Not what you want. Not what you want. So they've pushed the launch back to Sunday, 
Saturday, sorry. So tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when this releases. Uh, oh, oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. My brain just just not there. Saturday, September 3rd. Um, so hopefully everything will go okay. There's no humans on board this one. There's three dummies, like crash test dummies. Yeah. Um, but then the plan is 2025 Artemis 3 will launch with people. Okay. So, yeah, I think we'll keep an eye, our eye on it and it'll be really interesting. Let's see anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I just, again, and now I just compare everything they're doing to SpaceX because the, like, the modules that get released, the um, core stage, just they just they just drops into the ocean. There's no, like, now, now that we've got SpaceX, which is essentially, it lands itself to not damage itself so they can then be refueled and used again. All the NASA stuff that I'm seeing is just like, so you just let it drop into the ocean. That sounds very scientific. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. But NASA do have some partnerships with SpaceX, right? I'm sure that there's just some kind of licensing or it's actually cheaper to do it this way or... No, I don't know that's, why. That's why. That's why SpaceX is doing it the way it is because it's cheaper because they don't have, like nothing's damaged. Well, <laughs> true. In, but if in SpaceX are like, we're going to rent this to you for X amount, or you can build your own one for X minus whatever it, it will be. Yeah, it would be silly to for SpaceX to outprice themselves. That's a bad business decision. Yeah, uh, so, I don't know if that is the case. Of course, but yeah, they're they're obviously doing it for a reason. It may just be like this is a NASA only thing. That would be very American. Uh, it would be, yeah. But we'll see. We shall. We shall. Indeed. Uh, there was a second piece of news that you just mentioned before we came on to the show to do with China trying oh, to yeah. seed <laughs> rain clouds Firing uh, to end the, the, the drought. So the way that I framed this before we started was uh, China has declared war on the clouds. That's how I told Tom the news. And you were like, oh, lack like, of clouds. Yeah. No, because no, there's, there's clouds. It's just not, it hasn't rained. Oh, okay. So this is, this is the issue that they're having. So China's going through probably one of like the biggest heat waves since records began. I know it's like a, a, a quote, but it's, that's literally since 1961. This is the biggest heat wave that they've experienced. And it's, currently defined as an extreme heat wave like a lot of them just haven't had power it's it's yeah it's it's been absolutely devastating side point interestingly due to the drought they found a 400 year old bridge that was made to cross a, a lake because the lake has is not there anymore because there's no water ah, so they found okay. this very like not custom built, but a very rudimentary bridge that they, no one knew was there that went across the whole lake and they worked out that's what they used to cross it back in the day. Um, that's interesting. Something similar happened in Germany. Mm. The river, because uh, well, there was droughts around here in Europe as well, the river sank so much, but instead of a bridge, they just found carvings from middle oh, age, yeah. like the people from the Middle Ages. Mm. I was about to say middle-aged people then. <laughs> uh, from the, the people from the Middle Ages basically saying, if you can read this, you're about to die because everyone back then died because of the drought. Yeah. Uh, oh. 
So yeah, not quite at the bridge they were expecting. <laughs> no, but like to the point where it's, it's so extreme at the moment that government offices are asking them to like to not set their air conditioner any lower than twenty six. And now to think, like when we had our heat wave, for a lot of people, twenty six is like where it got to. For some of us, it got to thirty something, but twenty six is still pretty warm. Yeah, but because of the heat wave, they're experiencing like they got no energy. The hydrogams aren't producing anything there's no there's no water to put through the hydrogams so some regions uh are now launching cloud seeding programs which are essentially firing missiles that release uh i believe it's like some sort of silver nitrate okay that the create ice in the thing in the atmosphere to make it heavier to then try and make it rain yeah yeah particles so, oh, silver iodide that's it silver iodide yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah which it just seems so weird such a weird thing to do some some some, some geoengineering right there happening in in real life yeah happening right now yeah. It's one of the more extreme kind of edition editions of geoengineering that we've seen. Obviously, there's like uh, we'll come. Oh, I'm sure we'll come on to less extreme versions that just seem normal now. But yeah, and one of the first things I saw I saw when looking at the news on this is video shows cloud seeding rocket narrowly missing pedestrians on a busy sidewalk, which is of course quite tragic for for those people. But luckily, it missed. And then mm. you were just like, well, I didn't say it was going well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their fight against the clouds. They're, they've taken some losses. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's because there's, there's, there's different ways of doing it. I think Russia had, has a similar thing. They they make it rain away from parades. That was, that was one of the, like, not like, like a conspiracy that happened when like the one of the big Russian memorial marches or whatever they do uh, like it was a celebration or something but they were like yeah they make it rain oh, like before it reaches the area that they're going to do their parade, military parade in so it's, it's sunny for them so they they disperse oh. the clouds using clouding seeding, uh, cloud seeding way before it even has a chance to get to the area that they're going to do their procession uh, calling, calling, a a proce- <laughs> calling it a procession makes it sound like a carnival float. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it basically is. Yeah, it's just a tractor pulling like a bale <laughs> yeah. of that they use in their farming. Yeah. It's a person just waving on the back. Yeah. Yeah, but I, think, I want to be here. Yeah, but those are the, the, the two complete ends of the like the efficacy of using cloud seeding one is essentially to save lives and one is like an ego display and what is what is good and what is what is right it then brings up the whole and an argument of okay with the cloud seeding essentially who owns the clouds in that area if if the cloud above that area does that mean it's yours and you can use it to make rain but surely that cloud would then shift into a different province or county or area so are you taking that rain away from someone else and where does that lie yeah i mean it's just absolutely full 
of these kind of ethical debates. And the thing is, it's so such a new thing that we don't have a system in place to kind of control or check it. And there's no international agreements about it. So what's to say if we tried to cool the earth through like sulfur, like volcanoes do, what's to say, you know, uh, the UK just doesn't launch 10 times more than anywhere else. And then it affects everywhere else. That's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But why don't we just uh, retrack a bit? If anyone who doesn't know what geoengineering is, this we may we may have skipped a couple of steps there. Yeah, should we, should we dive into what geo, geo, geoengineering is? Well, let's do that. Um, did you look at this? Because I know I've done more of the geoengineering yeah, hey, stuff. I've got, I've got some stuff on it. I can, oh, I can yeah. chip in. I've got some things. Go on, go for it. Okay, so I've got that. Geoengineering is the deliberate... Large-scale intervention in the Earth's natural system to counteract climate change. I'm not sure if the counteract climate change specifically has to be there, but it's, yeah, intervention in the Earth's natural systems. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think it's like uh, deliberate is the key word there. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. you could say, like, anthropomorphic climate change is us geoengineering, and it is, mm. but we didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. But, I mean, we kind of did because we knew it was happening and didn't stop, so, you know. Well, we kind of <laughs> did, but, you know, I think it was BP then created a propaganda machine to try and say that fossil fuel burning was fine since, like, the 40s. So, you know. Yeah. When we're also the against... ones that um, created the carbon footprint model. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, where everyone was that. like, oh, yeah, people. we should... Uh, mind our own carbon footprint and you can track your carbon footprint and everything like that like and it makes you feel like you're doing something when you're not no it's essentially uh to shift the guilt away from big corporations onto the individuals so instead of it being like the uh like not tui but like a trying to think of like a an airline British Airways. British Airways, yeah. Instead of it being like British Airways carbon footprint, because it is, because they own the planes and all that sort of stuff, it was then, okay, no, now it's the individual's carbon footprint and they're using the plane so it's theirs. And it's kind of like, oh no, that's not how it works. Yeah, those planes are going anyway. Yeah, that's always an argument that I have with the whole like, if you, like trains and people being like, you know what, trains are still got, it's like, yeah, but those instead of a car the train would be making that journey anyway come what may yeah i say that at the moment no trains are making many journeys at the <laughs> moment in the uk um yeah we support strikes here uh the information industry reports <laughs> it is your civil right to be able to strike yeah go get them yeah i'm used to it there's a strike every week here for the trains yeah what really concerns me and i know we're tangenting but what really concerns me is in the UK, there's, and I'm not going to name names or even the party. There's two individuals that are going to be head of the probably the, of the party that is going to rule over the UK, and they have both said that they wanted to make striking uh, criminal and make it a criminal offence, so you can't do it to make it illegal. I was like, great. So you've come out and you've you've publicly said that you hate trans women and you're against striking, like. Just what a what a what a twenty twenty two we live in. Absolutely yeah. criminal stuff going on. 
I doubt they'll get that through. I hope not, anyway. Well, yeah, because then it just turns into... Is it like, just don't call it striking? It's been like, oh, well, we're protesting. Like, great. Yeah, we're just going to take some afternoon <laughs> tea. Yeah, because they don't get paid <laughs> to go on striking. They're essentially just like, all right, great, we're going to walk out of work and we're going to protest over here. We're not going to call it a strike, but we're going to call it a protest. Yeah. One of the things they're trying to do is make it legal, because you currently you can't bring in people to cover those people. So if there's like agency staff that are contractors... You can't bring them in to cover the people's shifts who are on strike. Because okay. otherwise, no strike would work because all these companies have enough money to... Like, if they're paying their the CEO like £4 billion or whatever the stupid amount is, they can obviously pay for agency workers to come in and replace those people for the time yeah. being they're striking. So they're, they're, I think that's what they're trying to legalise and also make it legal to strike. So it's just a absolute mess of the world at the moment. Isn't it just? Yeah, tell me about it. But Absolute geoengineering. <laughs> but geoengineering, we're here to, to lead you away from the mess of that world into the mess of climate change instead. Mm-hmm. Positive mm-hmm. thoughts. <laughs> um, so on the topic of geoengineering, the American Meteorological Society has a few things to say. There are basically three proactive strategies that re- could reduce the risks of climate change. One is mitigation and reducing emissions, which is we don't hear enough about, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, adaptation, moderate, moderating climate impacts by increasing our capacity to cope with them. So more like, uh, it's going to be hot here from like the rest of your life. So adapt, get AC yeah, yeah, yeah. or fans, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the third one is geoengineering, which as we said, is the deliberate manipulation of uh, the Earth's system. Mm-hmm. And in all likelihood, the future is probably going to be a mix of the three, right? We should definitely reduce emissions. We're definitely going to have to adapt because we're not doing that quick enough. Or if you look at uh, well, China going through a drought, Pakistan going through a flood, you know, it's one of the worst floods in recorded history there as well. Yeah, that's well, I, I did think this. I was like, well, that's where all the water's gone. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Yeah. Is that is that how it works? Like China's lost all its water and it's all been displaced to Pakistan. I mean, the water's got to go somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah, like think it can't, about it can't, the water thermodynamics, just like, it can't be destroyed, only transformed in the water cycle. So maybe that, I think I don't think that that rule of thermodynamics <laughs> applies to physical matter. Oh, yes, it does, mate. Because it can't leave the atmosphere easily, can it? That's that's the thing. No. It has to say that yeah. somehow. But it, it, yeah, I think it's what really got me. I think I didn't really. I haven't. I don't. Okay, this is gonna sound a lot like naive. I don't really watch the news that much because at the moment, you know, it's it's depre- it's depressing enough just living with the current state of affairs that I don't need to be going onto BBC and being like, well, things are in a bad seat in the UK. But here's China, who's also having a bad time, and here's Pakistan, also having a worse time. But I didn't realise how bad it was in Pakistan until they were like, um, yeah, it, there's a flooding, this, the, which is the same area as the UK. And I was like, oh. Yeah. I thought, oh, it's damn, a lot. damn, it is really bad. It's yeah. really, really bad out there. So yeah, I've, I've kind of tuned in now a bit more to things. Yeah, and it is considered, you know, a climate disaster in yes. terms of linked to climate change mm-hmm. these things we didn't think we'd see for a lifetime 
are here. So <clears throat> it's thought geoengineering could lower greenhouse gas concentrations, i.e. the warming of the planet or the effects that that has, provide options for reducing specific climate impacts or offer strategies of last resort. Um, if abrupt, catastrophic or otherwise unacceptable climate change impacts become of unavoidable by other means. Mm. But they're basically saying research so far has not kind of sig- signified that large-scale geoengineering would produce significant benefits or whether those benefits would outweigh the detriments. Okay, yeah. Because we just haven't put enough research into it yet. And m- maybe we'll come on to later why. But they're basically saying geoengineering has specific aims that it wants to try and achieve. One, reduce the levels of atmospheric greenhouse gases through large-scale manipulation. Two, exert a cooling influence on the Earth by reflecting sunlight. Um, or three, other large-scale manipulation designs designed to diminish climate change or its impacts. And as I just mentioned there, one of the ways they want to try and do this is solar geoengineering. And the other one is removal of carbon dioxide. Like Those are the two main yes. focuses. I think I would say, and those are the ones that have been attempted or are maybe trying to be put into practice, but there are many others, like hypothetical ones as well. Um, like, what's the snow train? Snowpiercer. <laughs> snow train. Yes. That always springs to mind whenever we speak about uh, geoengineering gone, Got, well, gone, yeah, wrong. gone horribly wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, looking forward to season four, though. How whenever that returns. I haven't... Uh... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't followed it. There was a good twist at the end of three. Uh, I won't spoil it. I think I know. I think I know what the twist is. I think I followed it enough to know what the, the twist is. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, when when we stop recording, we'll we'll circle back. <laughs> we'll circle back. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, have you covered much on solar or carbon dioxide removal? Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got loads. I, I, ah. I, I feel like you're doing it a service and not, not discussing the, the Oxford principles of geoengineering research. Oh, absolutely. Crack on, mate. Because that like was, that's a good thing to cover right you now. Went, you yeah. went for the, the US, but I didn't cover the 2009, uh, Oxford geoengineering program created by Steve Rayner, Tim Kruger, and Julian Savot. Like, you know what, Julian, I apologize, but you're Julian S. Um... <laughs> Together with uh, Catherine Ridgewell from the University College of London, uh, they set out five key principles that if geoengineering was going to happen, it had to happen like this for it to be um, ethical, essentially. Yes. Because this is like what we were speaking about earlier, right? The fact that there's no kind of governance protocol for geoengineering for it to become useful these things need need to occur mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go for it mate ah uh, okay yeah sure uh so the five principles uh were geoengineering to be regulated as a public good so that means yeah. that there has to be some regulation which i think is important right oh yeah fully, this is 100%. what you were discussing about like if I seed these clouds and it rains here, what is the impact of that to someone else? 
like how is that being measured who owns the rain <laughs> yeah because you can fully imagine nestle coming in being like all right we've solved your drought but now you're indebted to us for nine generations also if you look at unregulated markets looking at you energy companies in the uk yeah they never it's never good it, yeah. it, it never goes well they just they just take the piss and okay so energy companies in the uk that is that is not correct energy are they suppliers or are they the ones that trill it out i can now i can remember the difference what between the name is but you've got people that are like wholesale sellers so distributors and suppliers distributors are companies that give it out who like drill it out of the earth and then sell it or generate it like electricity and then you've got resuppliers who are like uh I'm trying to think of I think British Gas is like a resupplier and like BP and Shell are the ones that drill it out. There's no regulations on BP and Shell, weirdly, and it's just, you know, it's gone so well. It's gone so well. It's strange how that happens, isn't it? It's almost it's strange. Like yeah. money is appearing in certain people's pockets. Yeah, absolutely to ridiculous. To make that happen. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Um, anyway, so back to the, governance. So the next, <laughs> so the next one uh, is there has to be public participation in geoengineering decision making as it affects people everyone uh people need to be involved in the decision making otherwise it's not okay yeah i'm, I'm trying to think how that would work like would you have like a vote yeah yeah i think that's what that's what they mean is like, like a, i feel like one of the, the principles should be no sorry i realize these are called principles as well different kind of principle yeah. Like if you're using geoengineering as like an abrupt change, because the changes are quite rapid, mm, you would rapido. only use it in like a last case, last ditch effort scenario, right? Mm. Say you're using it in China or Pakistan and these places that are affected really badly right now. Are you able to hold a vote? I th- I think if you... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this, this is... Like, is the structure there, is the infrastructure there to physically hold a vote in the middle of a flood? What, China having voting rights? Yeah, I'm pretty sure if they voted in China, <laughs> the vote would happen pretty quickly, to be honest. And I'm that pretty, wasn't I'm, my <laughs> intended point, but I'm pretty well sure made. the voting would happen pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's say in a democracy, then. <laughs> oh, ooh, whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, I reckon we could. Because if you think about how quickly things were like... Uh, when COVID happened, like they, how quickly they, they sorted things out to get... email Not emails, but like letters out to people, like text and stuff. That that system can very easily be used. So That's I true. think that the technology is, is there... Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Next up, number three, the disclosure of geoengineering research and open publications of the results, which, to be honest, all research should be uh, open to the public, but it's especially with, like, if it's concerning everyone's well-being, it needs to be open. Oh, 100%. If that, you want people okay. to try and understand what they're going to vote about. Yeah. 
then they need to have access to the information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True say. True say. Uh, independent assessments on the impacts. So we all know how the government likes to be like, oh, we did an assessment and we found like there was no wrongdoing. And you're just like, great. Like the police investigating the police. Weird that they found no wrongdoing, isn't it? Um, so yeah. That's important. Uh, yeah. It's always important. And last one, uh, governance before deployment, which essentially all the things above need to be done before things have happened. Yeah. Which is, yeah, perfectly, I'd say perfectly normal. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And this has actually been accepted by the UK House of Commons as like a an action plan. Mm. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the problem is, as we mentioned earlier, is if one country decides to accept this and another country doesn't and just does it what, yeah, there's nothing really what happens do. there nothing really you know, any, anybody can do is there with that one it is especially if they're right next to each other yeah and one impacts the other you know yeah i don't i don't, I don't know what, what you would do there because it's it's you know you know the wars <laughs> there we yeah. go that's yeah. what would happen wars would happen yeah um, i think i think so and it, it is a real issue because no on no issue do we have like a worldwide accordance where every single country agrees to right yeah maybe you have a very high rate of countries signing up to it but there's always a few that are not uh <laughs> abiding by those things yeah and this is one of those things where it really is important to have some kind of worldwide governance. But like, how do you hold people accountable? I mean, yeah, there's like, a whole lot of non-accountability going on right now with a certain region. <laughs> yeah. And it, as a, an example for this is again, is China, uh, the, like the industrial pollution that, is coming out of China and they won't agree to stem it or say they will and then do nothing. But if they if they don't do it, what what do other country what can other countries do? Like what what are you gonna do to that? Are you gonna invade? Are you gonna impose sanctions? Great, they're still gonna do it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah. It, it's just a it's not a real solution I can I can say I can see. So here's what it is. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame because it's like, okay, well, yeah, let's put sanctions on them. <clears throat> Sorry. And it's like, okay, yeah. Great. Nothing really happens, as, as you say. And then you can't mm. really take it further than that because we're dependent on China for making everything we use anyway. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> this isn't a political show, so I'm not going to go into it. Right, okay. Yeah, so, back to the science. Two specific geoengineering sectors, the solar geoengineering and carbon geoengineering. Do you want to jump to solar first, as that's what you are... Yeah, let's, let's grab that. So solar geoengineering, or yeah. solar radiation modification, oh. is a type of climate engineering which sunlight will be reflected back to space. And there are lots of places now, like where the roofs are painted white or things like that. Yeah. It's called to, to raise the albedo or reflectivity of the Earth's surface. And this is another reason why having the polar regions is also important, because it reflects a lot of sunlight back out into space and stops it being trapped and heating up the Earth. 
Mm-hmm. So there are two main methods which are thought to have the biggest impacts. Um, there are actually lots of methods, but I'm yes. only going to talk about two because otherwise this can be a show on itself. Oh, maybe, maybe, um, maybe, because I've got, I've got the three here as well, so. Oh, okay, nice. Um, I'll jump in with stratospheric aerosol injection. And this is basically like cloud seeding. So what China are trying to do, we would introduce aerosols into the stratosphere to create a cooling effect via global dimming. Now, this happens naturally from volcanic eruptions anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it appears that stratospheric aerosol injection at a moderate intensity could counter most changes to temperature and precipitation, taking effect pretty much immediately and having low implement- implementation costs. Now, basically, what they will do is they'll take for- various forms of sulfur and put it in the air, and they could do this through like civilian or military aircraft, modified artillery has been suggested where you just put it in a cannon and throw it up there or high altitude balloons. So you just stick a balloon up into the, I think stratosphere, obviously stratospheric aerosol injection. (laughs) Uh, And this also depends where you're going to do it because at the poles, the stratosphere is only 11 kilometers from the surface, but at the equator, it's 17 kilometers. So you may be, you'll need different techniques for different places. Yeah, well, different places heat up. Probably, uh, yeah. Different, different things. Basically, you put the aerosol into the stratosphere, the aerosol reflects more sunlight and stops it reaching the the Earth's surface and getting trapped underneath or in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the idea anyway. And we do know that when volcanoes erupt, especially large ones, that the planet has cooled and entered previously into like mini ice ages yeah. from volcanic eruptions. Um, yeah, that's a pretty quick overview of that. The stratospheric one? Yeah, that's pretty, pretty sound. Pretty sound? All right, cool. What else you got there then? Uh, space reflectors is my, is the, the, the second one I've got Ooh. for solar geoengineering. Yes. Which I'm pretty sure like is a movie, Dyson isn't it? Sphere. No, it's not, a, no, not quite a Dyson sphere, but I'm pretty sure it is a movie. Didn't they do that in Futurama? They just put something massive in front of the sun. Yeah, but that's it's it's also isn't it a horror movie? Let's see, horror movie where they block out the sun. Outpost Black Sun. I don't. Know. I don't know. Uh, I'm only, it's only four point nine out of ten on IMDb, mate. Uh, movie big mirror. <laughs> Midnight Sun. Uh, could be Oculus. No. Anyway, I'll I'll find it, and if I find it, I'll post it. But essentially, I think that that was the movie. I think in the movie, it's the opposite: is the sun goes to half power, so they set up a mirror to then heat the world back up. I think that's that's the movie I'm oh, thinking of. Okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's, that's another that's, way that's to do it, yeah. it is. So they, you essentially block a small portion of the sunlight before it reaches Earth using big old mirrors in space. Space mirrors. Space mirrors. Yeah, the best yeah. kind of mirrors. I can understand it 
that yeah it makes sense you'd have to have that like positioned constantly between earth and the sun yes and just decide how much you want to block out yeah essentially that is that's it but you'd you'd be able to move it so you could essentially like float it one way then float it back depending on you know how you were doing <laughs> if like one country is specifically annoying you just <laughs> <laughs> have yeah. it stationed well, that above would, that them would be, for a week. that would that would be a, a security concern for people would be like could if we put it at like a, a weird angle would it be like during you're in school and you had a really ref- reflective watch you could yeah. like mirror it into someone's eyes but essentially just burn oh. all, the, all their crops yeah yeah, that'd be awful. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, if you, d- if you did this in reality, it wouldn't be so close to Earth that it'd be kind of noticeable. Like, you wouldn't just have a massive shadow on Earth. Like, it'd be much like halfway between Earth and the Sun. Yeah, and like, if you even if you looked at the Sun, you probably wouldn't be able to see it unless you were using like a telescope or something. Unless it was like half. Unless you're just fully blocking out half the sun and it was just fully like half moon all the time. Um, I think if you took away half of the sun's energy, we would freeze pretty quickly. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think you'd want to take half the sun away. Okay, maybe not half then, but like you could control... (laughs) I understand what you're saying, and I don't think it would be a case of, um, like you would just put a blocker. You'd put like you know, you blinds, and oh, you'd yeah. like filter in a certain way. It's just yeah. a massive pair of Venetian blinds in the yeah, sky. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty right. much like, and someone's got a clicker that can rotate them. Yeah, shut or not. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's essentially it. That's what I'm imagining. Okay. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Okay. For sure. Again, though, that would have to be like a global thing. Because who's got the clicker? Yeah, who, which which government has the responsibility to, you know, control the Venetian blinds, the, space, the Venetian space blinds? Yeah, it would be like a... The classic, you know, dad with a thermostat thing. <laughs> Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't touch it. Yeah, it really would be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too hot. Well, I'm too cold. You know, I'm <laughs> flooding over here. Well, you know, you should have thought about that. Just put on a coat. Um, <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> oh, don't. Don't even, don't even start that. Oh, oh dear. dear me. Yeah, back All in right. My, back so in my Venetian day, space lines. Yeah, that's Not a free one. Not something I thought we'd be coming up with, but yeah, maybe yeah. we need to patent that as well. You're welcome. Whoever steals that from us in the future. Yeah. Royalties incoming. Yeah. Always the best royalties for us. Uh, and the last <laughs> one is just, as you said, the Albedo? Albedo. Albedo. Uh, yeah. Albedo improvements. Yes. So this is essentially increasing the reflectiveness of clouds or land surfaces so that more of the sun's heat is reflected back into the space. Now, this is already happening in places like LA and California where they're painting like buildings and stuff white because that's enough to reflect it 
to have an impact or uh, grass and greenery. Uh, okay. So that's a big thing because it doesn't absorb. Because during the heat wave, someone shared um, like how the like they were scared for their dog. So they shared like thermo pictures of the floor and it was like artificial grass, concrete, uh, black asphalt, and then real grass. And real grass is, is the best to have because it reflects back up and doesn't hold the heat. So it's better for your dog. And I mean, it makes sun- sense if you're thinking about... It does make sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes <laughs> sense. Uh, if you think about photosynthesis and how that works. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, I look specifically within that at cloud brightening. Okay. Which I didn't realize was a thing. But it's basically, they would do this over the oceans because it would be the best place to do it. Yeah. Uh, it's known as marine cloud brightening or marine cloud engineering. And I guess it kind of comes along with stratospheric aerosol injection, but it's slightly different in the sense that today emissions uh, particles mix with clouds in the atmosphere and it increase the amount of sunlight that they reflect reducing warming. This is a natural thing that happens anyway. And this cooling effect is estimated at between 0.5 and 1.5 degrees C and is one of the most important unknowns in climate. Like, we know it's there. We're not too sure uh, about what controls it. Okay. Now, most clouds are quite reflective anyway, bouncing incoming solar radiation back into space. But increasing clouds' albedo would increase the proportion of incoming radiation that's reflected, obviously. In combination with greenhouse gas emissions reductions, carbon dioxide removal, and adaptation, it should hopefully reduce climate change and its risk to people. Mm-hmm. Now, the marine environment is actually specific. Specif- wow, words today, mate. I'm just, uh, I'm just not on it. This late night coffee words has hard. destroyed my brain. Um, the marine environment has a deficit of cloud condensation due to lower levels of dust and pollution at sea. So marine cloud brightening would be more effective over the ocean than over land. And in fact, marine cloud brightening on a small scale already occurs unintentionally because there are aerosols in the big ships that go through it and they live, they leave like clouds behind them, like tracks yeah. in the sky. Um, so this is already kind of happening due to the ships that are going there, but it's also the ships that are going there that have kind of put us here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So that's the thing, which I didn't realize. Uh, make clouds brighter. Yeah, uh, that would work. Yeah. But yeah. again, yeah. Weird. <laughs> again, weird thing who owns the sky <laughs> who owns the clouds in the sky who owns it yeah and we, we we've come back to this a lot and it really is because there is these massive issues with geoengineering right like just the ethics and the governance and the politics involved is nowhere yeah and i think that is the problem is like where do you start because many people like uh, Friends of the Earth and Greenpeace and WWF and all of these people are very reluctant to endorse even solar and geoengineering, like painting things white to make to increase the albedo. Mm-hmm. But they're also very reluctant to oppose it as well. 
like they're much more like okay well that's a thing yes but why don't we just you know restore the peatlands or the rainforest um yeah and things like that and some groups have actually call, called for moratorium on climate engineering techniques because they just don't want it to go any further before things have been sorted yeah it's it's very like band-aid-esque isn't it like why are we doing this when we could actually try and stop the bad stuff happening now yeah which is a thing right people are very concerned about this moral hazard that it creates like why even bother trying to reduce emissions if we can just throw a rocket into the sky and cool the earth by two degrees in like three days it's very human to be like yeah we'll just we'll just you know we'll just do the thing yeah it's like it's like futurama just we'll just stick an ice cube in the ocean every 10 years yeah <laughs> so stupid. It's, just a stupid episode. it's very funny. Yeah. It's very stupid, but it's very funny. And it, it it's a very good allegory. We won't actually do the ice cube thing, but there is that kind of moral hazard there of should we should we won't we would we? Yeah. Uh so yeah, I think I think we will see people do it, but I don't think there'll be an agreement about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, China have taken the first steps here. And I, and I think the last time we'd spoken about this, this was all hypothetical. Like, we, no country had done it out in the open, at yeah. least, right? No okay, one there had been the conspiracy theories. Yeah, of Russia. But no country had openly gone like, okay, yeah, we're seeding clouds now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when else is it going to happen apart from in a climate crisis like we're experiencing now? And if this doesn't tell you that it's actually gone tits up <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, like this, this should be getting your alarm bells ringing mm-hmm. i think in that sense oh, of course yeah if people have been sat there been like oh things are fine like where have you been looking <laughs> like <laughs> what, what channels have you been you've been staring at faux news oh what? don't don't <laughs> don't don't even not worth it too many people um, out here watching the joe rogan podcast oh god that's the thing. Um, what was I going to say there? But like, let's say you're a politician and you have access to the red button that will seed a cloud and give you rain, right? Yeah. Obviously, you want to be reelected because you think you're doing a good thing, whether you're delusioned or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and to do that, you're going to protect your constituents. So you're going to press that red button to bring the rains down from Africa and, like, stop the drought happening, right? Mm-hmm. But then everyone's going to want to do that. And yeah. then suddenly you're going from dr- drought to flood or you've done something irreversible that's going to take years to, like, come back from. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be like, oh, we'll never do that again. It's too late. Everyone's on dead. Yeah. And then, you know, give it a generation, you forget that will say, oh, we'll never let it happen again. And it starts happening again. Yep. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, it's the way of the world, the way of the world it, it is the way of the world. So, yeah, I think it'll be a very interesting development, at least. 
you say interesting like I don't know. I think I've been watching too much Westworld recently, right? Where it's an analysis of the human behavior. <laughs> yeah. And from a completely objective, like, I'm not a human and I don't care what happens, <laughs> good or bad. Yeah. It will be very interesting from like a analytical standpoint. From a human standpoint, it's terrifying. Yeah, because it probably won't make it out of 2025. But at least we'll have people on the moon. <laughs> yeah, who will survive. I mean, that's nice. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Wild stuff. Um, what else have you got? Have you got anything else on geoengineering? Because yeah, we've got about 10 minutes left. I, I, I did some more. I had like a um, carbon geoengineering. Oh, yeah. It's take a, it away. Take it away. I've got so much. Mate, I've got so much on, I've got so much on it. So... You mentioned afforestation, but you didn't explain what it was. Well, you know, some some things need to be left to the imagination. <laughs> I don't think they do. I think I think <laughs> I think some things need to be said. You uh, been on a science podcast? How, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, afforestation please, please is essentially um, is a global scale tree planting effort. So, if, for those that are on the internet and know who like. Mr. Beast is. What he did was like a, a micro scale afforestation attempt where he planted. I can't remember how many how many he planted trees. He managed to plant with his his how effort. Many trees did Mr. Beast? I mean, it didn't take me. A lot. I just had to write how many trees did. And yeah, Mr. Beast came up. So far on October 29th, oh, so this has ended. 6,249,460 trees. Yeah. I did a lot. He did, he did good. Good for, good for That's a lot of trees. It's yeah. a lot of hit. He did, he did, he's, he's, doing, he's doing good. He's doing good for the world. So that, essentially, that's what that is. Yeah. Oh, by August 2022. <clears throat> okay, so that was 2019, right? Yeah. Tw- October 2019, 6.2 million trees. By August 2022, the project had raised $23.9 million. Yeah, it did. It is. Um, and good. more than 19 million trees have been planted. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mark Rober's in on that as well. I do believe Elon Musk tweeted about it. Um, oh, well, that'll do it. And then it like got some a, a good level of traction. So that's yeah. That's good, so you can good. go to teamtrees.org to check that out if you want to help with that. Mm-hmm. The whole um, thing was like trying to do a certain amount for a certain date, but I can't remember if he uh, got it or not. Um, yes. But there are lots of things. Well, have you? There's a couple of browsers. I think Ecosia, have you heard of that? No. It's an alternative I, yeah, to I do, I do, I do. Google Chrome. Yeah. And it's like every. X amount of searches, they plant a tree. It's like the the ad revenue they get from your searches, they put towards planting trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's other there's ways few, to try and be uh, uh, proactive uh, in your inactiveness. Yeah, a little bit. Biochar is the next one. So it's charring biomass and burying it so its carbon is locked up in the soil. That seems like a we're doing this now, so <laughs> we don't have to think about it in the long run. 
But carbon in soils can be quite good using fertilizers, that kind of stuff in the long run. So yeah. that's where that comes from. I mean, that's what, like, that's the natural carbon cycle process mm. with less steps. Yes. Like, Speed that's running. what happens anyway. <laughs> it's just now this carbon isn't kind of accessible to be recycled. It's just kind of stuck there. Yeah. I think they would they would try and use it in a way that it could be recycled, but you're essentially skipping out a few of the natural processes to speed up. Uh, <laughs> speed running carbon cycle. Yeah, I like that's that. pretty that's much fantastic. It. Yeah. Um, ambient air capture is a bit ridiculous. Building large, large machines that can remove carbon dioxide directly from the ambient air and store it elsewhere. I think someone's trying to do that with fuel. Okay. But they're removing carbon dioxide in the air and then turning it to, into fuel. That's interesting. I just wonder what does that fuel release? More carbon dioxide. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This gasoline is made from carbon sucked from the air. A Harvard affiliate Canadian company is making a liquid fuel that is carbon neutral and they hope the economics will be in their favour. Yeah. Carbon engineering. A Canadian company is already making a liquid fuel by sucking, sucking... carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and combining it with hydrogen from water. This is an engineering breakthrough on two fronts, a potentially cost-effective way to take CO2 out of the atmosphere to fight climate change and potentially a cost-competitive way to make gasoline, diesel, or jet fuel that doesn't add any additional CO2 to the atmosphere. Okay, nice. Yeah. So that's what that is. Get it working. It'll be good. Um, Next is... There's two ocean ones. So ocean fertilization, which is adding nutrients to the ocean in selective locations to increase prime production, which draws in carbon dioxide of the atmosphere. Is that uh, algae by chance? Um, yeah. Well, al- yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. To, thanks to the, uh, the input. That's, okay. Next one is uh, <laughs> the ocean. You know, like uh, <laughs> you hear about ocean runoff a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Basically, the same thing happens there right next to the shore. You get a lot of primary production, which is, as you're right, algae, uh, but also phytoplankton, um, obviously, which feeds with the algae, um, and zooplankton. That's the one I'm thinking of, the animal plankton. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have that right close to the shore. It doesn't really do much to kind of get clogged up. But if you can facilitate that in specific places, maybe out in the ocean, where there's a large place for it to happen, a large surface area with minimal impact to the life out there. That would actually be very interesting. The only thing is, and it would help with carbon storage because it takes up the carbon dioxide in the ocean acidification and then it's they die, they fall to the ocean bed, the bed, yep. and then it stores that carbon down there. And we know that the... It's like really deep ocean currents take about a thousand years to go around the earth. So that would store it for quite a long time. Yeah, hopefully long enough for us to get off this planet. Um, <laughs> in that in that same vein, uh, it's the ocean alkalinity enhancement. Okay. Which is grinding up and dispersing and dissolving rocks such as limestone, silicates, and other calcium hydroxide into the ocean to increase its ability to store carbon directly Amelorate ocean acidification. Okay. Yeah. Whatever that means. Go sprinkle some limestone around. Yeah, that's essentially it. Um. Yeah. 
Okay, that'd be interesting. I guess you'd have to do that at specific spots as well. Very carefully select which yeah, places you're going to lots of lots of governance involved and uh, yeah, you know, public participation. I don't know. I would I wouldn't want public participation on locations. I think we would leave it to the experts, no. which is ridiculous to say that in this day and age, some governments can just be like, no, we're gonna we're gonna listen to the the uh, the MPs instead of the experts. Like how stupid. Is that? Yeah, that's it. That's all. I'm going around about that. There was something that came yeah. up, and then we're just like, "Yeah, we're not going to listen to the experts on this. We're going to listen to the MPs." I'm just like, "Why uh, wouldn't you yeah. listen to the scientists? Why is yeah, it's literally their job? Why would you not listen to this? Like, no, the MPs. We're going to pay the MPs now. thousands of pounds so for this research, and then just say no anyway. Yeah, um, infuriating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what I was going to say now. Sidetracked. Sorry, it's too much of rant about <laughs> the government, the set of governments in the, in the moment. It's all right. It's a, but yeah, I think it's just these. The, oh, no, that's what I was going to say. Uh-huh. Is climate change is happening now, right? Yeah. We are seeing the bad effects of it now. Most of us felt the effects of that this summer. Um, mm. You look at all of the wildfires across Europe that we had yeah. this summer. I don't know how much that was talked about on the news. Or how much you you caught wind of that? But there was a lot here in Italy and in Greece. Um, I think some in Spain as well. Obviously, we had the heat waves that everyone has been moaning about, and I'm sure we'll be moaning about for years to come. Mm-hmm. Like we needed to, to change X amount of years ago. We needed to like be implementing this stuff five, ten years ago. Yeah. So if we're only just researching like alkaline implementation systems to reduce the acidity and that hasn't even started yet and you need a test area to see how that's going to work and how that's going to affect this place mm-hmm. you're looking at a five ten year timeline before you even implement it after you've selected the place yeah what and again i know i'm going very political with this what needs to happen and you keep hearing scientists say it at the moment is climate change shouldn't be a political issue right it shouldn't be able to be used as a method of getting votes in an election there needs to be a party dependent or like so it's it there's there's a group of people that work as part of the government but have a like a group that just has the backing of the government, no matter what government it is, that both sides or all the parties decide like, okay, this is the group and they're going to try and tackle it. Because if every four years you're changing government and then policies change around climate, you're never going to get anything meaningful done. It's completely and utterly stupid that they can just, like, I think, um, was it Fitzpatrick, who's the CEO of OVO, was just like, yeah, reinstate the, the climate committee that existed in the UK but it doesn't exist anymore it's yeah. like yeah we need that and it needs to be party independent like that, they're just like people can sit on it from both parties but it needs to have one purpose and that is to save us from ourselves essentially from the future pretty much and yes. the only way you do that <sighs> is by having a consistent yeah action consistent. force right yeah, yeah, yeah. task force the climate task, task force. force there the we go climate task force because as you say like even if they just they change it every few years. You're going to get nothing done. Yeah, as is seen. 
and exactly as, as, as you're right like people keep using it as a political thing signing this treaty signing that treaty leaving that treaty and people make a big fuss but like did it make a big difference like yes he's a knobhead for leaving the paris <laughs> climate agreement right yeah but like what changed really like politically it was a dick move because people want people to change uh like in terms of the the climate but like what would they have done differently anyway had they stayed on it i'm, I'm not sure maybe there's a lot there i'm missing maybe a lot of the u.s climate yeah. policies have changed because of that and i'm sounding like a right idiot right now if i am <laughs> let me know twitter instagram don't be yeah. shy but yeah it, 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 yeah it is what it is. It's um, hard to not talk about climate and politics at the same time. Yeah, it, it's, I didn't realise how hard it would be, but they are it's so just, intertwined. Currently, it's it's just so intertwined. There's, there's no way you can't. Because to get stuff done, you need politics. And the, the blockers are, there's a lot of parties that are right-leaning, uh, that have very wealthy people that it's not in their interest to make climate policies because they would lose money. So why would they do anything? Yeah. Nightmare. All right. On well, that note, well, we've just done geoengineering. Note, we have it just means done we can do terraforming next week. Yeah. We can, yeah. Uh, apology. I feel like some of your, your research has gone, gone to waste. Damn it. It's fine. It's fine. But, uh, it's all good. Next week... Join us for terraforming. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it'll be less politic, politicky, <laughs> political, political, political. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but as you say, geoengineering, climate change, it brings us back to to the same place. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, hopefully you've learned some things today. There wasn't our disdain for the current political landscape. <laughs> Hopefully there were some interesting things in there and things that you hadn't come across yet. Uh, if so, or if not, let us know. Uh, Twitter at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram InformationEntropyPod. And of course, you're listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, whatever directory you're listening to us on. If you can give us a like, a rating, anything like that, we would appreciate it. Mitch is just showing me notes, <laughs> his notes uh, of <laughs> what he... What, wow, that's impressive, mate. I, I am so sorry that your terraforming yeah. notes are four or five times longer than your geoengineering notes. <laughs> Screen cap of my OneDrive page zoomed out <laughs> of my terraforming notes compared to geoengineering. So, yeah, that is what it is. Uh, it'll, it'll, be your, it'll be your show next week. Oh, we'll, we'll do yeah. it like that. As there's Hells to the year. Just, just like there is a political section on it. So just as a warning, no, but there's we'll also vetoing that. Okay, we'll veto <laughs> that. Okay, there's there's like there's economic issues, ethical issues, um, and then we'll go through each planet in our solar system and what we'd have to do to terraform it to be livable. That's what we're gonna go do. Oh wait, I'm well excited for that. Yeah, it's gonna be quite. I'm cool. just gonna turn up without any notes. <laughs> Um, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to you speak. No, we don't need a, a Mitchell monologuing. <laughs> that happened once. It was twice. Twi- did it happen twice? Yeah, yeah, it was a two-parter. Yeah, Yeah, the internet. I talked about the all things the internet for an half an hour, two half an hours. 
Yeah. I enjoyed it, mate. So uh, yeah, people people said like it was listening to me rap for uh half an hour because I spoke so fast. That's true, actually. If you put a beat to the back of it, <laughs> it that would have been yeah. a nasty tune, yeah. It was it was difficult to pace myself with no one to like have a like because in conversations you just like naturally pace. Like us yeah. back and forth thing. There's a delay. There's also a delay with because we're speaking via internet, so there's more of a buffer, so it sounds slower. But if I'm just there, like right, let's talk about the internet. Let's go. Uh, so the first thing is, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Apparently, the All second right. one was better. I got feedback on the first one, and then the second one was better. So okay, yeah. Well, if you're able to find that, then enjoy it. Yeah, we're not going to name names because we don't want to you finding them. But yeah, if you find that, but yeah. All right, we're rambling now. We're let's, meandering let's our way to the end. Let's this bring up. this to a wrap. Yep. Uh, don't forget to share this with your friends, family, co-workers, geoscientists, politicians, maybe. Uh, every listen counts. does indeed. Uh, yeah, so we have been the Information Entropy Podcast. Hopefully, we've helped decrease some of the entropy of information in your lives. Mm-hmm. And we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Ciao for now.